Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking with the Assistant Director of Sports Performance at DePaul, Nick Higgins. Guys, Nick and I are going to talk about bridging the gap between performance, uh, performance training in the weight room and what they're doing with rehab with these kids and how it's carrying over to how they work in the field. Uh, Nick touches upon how they are able to implement the force plates and develop a plan for all of these kids, both in the performance enhancement area and the return to play protocol. We then start breaking down the process of evaluating newer athletes, which I think is really cool because, you know, when you start, you got to have a starting point with all of these things. And then we, we talk about what he's actually looking at and for with these evaluations and how it's going to drive the training program for each individual athlete and how it's going to assist in the rehabilitation if something ever were to go wrong. Uh, he's then honest enough to share some of the growing pains that he had, guys, and things that helped him kind of get through those and, you know, how he's starting to communicate this information with coaches. And the final thing we talk about is outliers, you know, and I think it's important that we all understand because hopefully we do at this point that each kid's their own and some people just aren't going to fit into the norms of what the athletes in this sport you know, quote unquote, look like. Um, so we talk about how they're handling that. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. All right. Hey, Nick, thanks for being on with us today, my man. Yeah, of course. Not a problem, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So there's a lot of awesome stuff going on up there in Chicago right now. So how about you get us up to date with that? Yeah, things are going well. We're, let's see, about a month out from when we'll finish up school here. Uh, we're on the quarter system. So our students are Roughly here, it's about the first or second week of June, um, and then we'll go into our summer break. But we're excited what we're rolling out here. Um, kind of as discussed with you, we're moving forward with some of our force plates, assessments, screenings, what we're doing from a you know, training purpose and how we're analyzing our data and implementing into our program. So things are really going well, so I'm excited to talk about some of our ideas, and then hopefully you know, this will spark some interest and we can start conversations with other staffs around the universe, or around the U.S. and you know, other sports scientists and what they're doing with theirs. And, you know, we can continue to model ours over, you know, a span of time and do a better job of what we're doing. Yeah. So the one thing that we really touched upon a few times we've talked about this before is how you guys are really hoping that this bridges the gap between sports med and, and the coaches and performance. So let, let's get going with that and, and kind of keep moving from there. Yeah. So when we first, let's see, it was probably in December, uh, we got two dual Pasco force plates. And I was really given the idea from Dr. Matt Jordan. Uh, he discussed, you know, kinetic impulse, um, asymmetry index, and what he was doing with alpine skiers and ACLs. And the Pasco force plate was a really good opportunity for us, as you know, we just discussed about bridging the gap between 
not only rehabilitation process, but you know, our screenings across all student athletes and then how can we monitor what we're doing as far as our weight rooms, plyometrics, speed training, et cetera. Um, so we spent probably two months really just working with the Pasco force plates and the capstone in there. And a lot of credit to John Waggledon, East Tennessee State, who assisted us with you know, getting familiar with that system for those two months doing Skype lectures and things like that. Um, just so that we had a better understanding of the kinetics and, you know, what we were doing from the Excel side. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to get in touch with Matt Johnson with the Chicago Bulls. And he was telling me about software force decks that Notre Dame was utilizing and a few others around. So I reached out to them, uh, Jeff Poles in particular, Dr. Dan Cohan on staff of force decks, Dr. Troy Flanagan over with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Tim Pillow also assisted um, over in California. And then lastly, you know, Kyle Pearson, who was a user as well, and just how they were utilizing in their different environments while they're student athletes. You know, no environment or situation is going to be the same. And we wanted to get a better understanding of how people were implementing some of their force plate, either assessments, how they were doing their training and results of what they're analyzing. And for us, it was, okay, how can this then be applied into a larger setting? So that's why I think talking with Jeff was great. Um, but then also talking with those who may work in teams of 12 to 14 or just, you know, more on the individual. So it was a really good opportunity for us. And probably since late February till now, uh, we've been utilizing that software and continuing to do the dual force play training. And you know, as we discussed, you know, we're starting probably our phase, end of phase two, going into phase three of how we like to roll this out. And, you know, we've kind of established our different layers, our multi-layer approach, you know, how we're going to do this with our teams. And the first thing that we discussed was, you know, how can we get better information to make better decisions? You know, I really like that quote because that's what we're trying to ultimately do is get a better understanding of the training adaptations, the rehabilitation process and where our athletes, you know, current state is. So integrating into the yearly screens was something that we discussed. And if an athlete, for whatever reason, whether it's acute, chronic or unfortunately surgical um, procedure they have to go, we want to make sure that we've established baselines and norms for all student athletes. You know, we think that this could do a really good job in views similar to concussions and visions and have a little bit more of extensive testing, but do this two to three times a year. Even for, you know, your initial state, if we do, you know, five counter movement trials each time, a squat jump will save three trials, um, whether it be a unilateral drop or bilateral drop testing, you know, you're going to establish norms, which is great. And then if for whatever reason an athlete does go down because, you know, sport is chaos, you know, we at least have baselines and norms on all of our athletes. You know, over a four-year career, you know, you have, let's say, a sum total of anywhere between 30 and 40 jumps. But any time throughout their rehabilitation process, you've established a norm. You can develop realistic timelines and check marks, whether it's the uninjured or the injured limb, and make comparisons, especially with the dual force plates. So that was kind of our outer look is how can we provide this for all 200 athletes and include it into, you know, our initial and end-of-the-year screenings. You know, kind of taking that a step further, as we said, you know, how can this be integrated into sports medicine? And we discussed the assistance in the rehabilitation process. So having comparative data when they're healthy versus unhealthy is a, a huge thing that we see this really helping us do a better job of analyzing where they are from one, two, four, six week post. You know, we've discussed with Dr. Dan Cohan as well is, again, the rate of injury is so high. You know, we've discussed ACLs in the past and you know these things are going to occur, but if you do screenings throughout the process and have these norms, you're able to establish what he calls his post-hab exercises, is you know this athlete may still be at risk even if they're fully returned back to sport and play, 
but maybe you want to continue to monitor them and have an understanding, okay, let's still integrate these four to six exercises into your post-hab training when you come back from practice or before practice, because you're always at some risk, correct? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're always following that. And, you know, then Tim Polo, uh, Polo discussed, you know, the difference between rate of force development and rate acceptance. And again, if this is built into the rehabilitation process, you have a better understanding, okay, between those two limbs or bilaterally, maybe we've done a really good job of developing, you know, it's the concentric aspect, but we've underutilized our ability to receive that load, whether it's from the loading pattern itself or from the landing itself. So can we use this information then to make sure as we go through these check marks, are we properly sequencing and progressing exercises? So that was kind of how we believe we can put this into the physical therapy and the sports medicine realm. You know, we were then saying, okay, from a sports performance side, what are three different layers that we can really use this information? You know, one we discussed was athletic profiles. You know, again, maybe we expand the testing and it's Bosco jump tests or reactive strength index, but we want to do a better job and get more accurate, you know, classifications and identifiers for those athletes. You know, talking with Daniel Martinez, who's a very sharp individual, and I recommend others reach out to him after this, is he's done a lot of research and conducted a bunch of trials on his volleyball athletes of, okay, how can I classify what type of jumper they are, the jump strategy that they're using, and then develop, again, a sequence of progression of exercises best for that individual. You know, from the RSI and RSI mod, you know, you're able to classify high force, high velocity, low force, low velocity, et cetera. How are they utilizing the stress sorting cycle? What ways can you better position that athlete, whether it's from the teaching of it, whether it's the progressions of the plyometrics in line with your sprinting and your weight training, to ultimately put them into a better position to succeed. Again, that's such a big thing that we're looking at now is, okay, let's identify these profiles and make adjustments through our periodization plan and make sure we have check marks and move forward. You know, taking a deep step further then would be, what can we do every one to four weeks? So maybe it's not as intensive selection of exercises. Maybe this is just the three counter movement jumps, you know, this is where it becomes more practical for us is how much time do we have? How many athletes can we get through this? What is going to be the biggest return on the information that we get? But this ultimately then comes down to the kinetics that we're receiving from the dual force plates and what is for us going to make a better, um, I should say, what's going to make a more practical impression on our actual training itself. So we're able to identify the jump strategy being performed by the athletes. We're able to notice the asymmetries, whether it's in the early, late, the landing phase or the takeoff phase. You know, certain times of the year, you're gonna expect certain metrics or kinetics to be down. And we wanna make sure that we're aligning and putting those athletes in the best position. So we have those daily check or weekly check marks or at the end of a four week cycle. Did we have an actual transfer? Did we have ultimately what we're looking for? You know, I think that's where we're going to get a really high return on what we're trying to do. You know, we've discussed there's certain markers that you really want to follow. A lot of sprinting is done at the elite level between 80 and 100 milliseconds. So maybe some of our athletes, maybe we look at the time intervals at 150. You know, researchers came out about change of direction, I believe around 250 milliseconds. And then, you know, greater than that, you're looking at more peak and maximum. So you can use those time intervals throughout the year as check marks to make sure, okay, maybe we're really focusing on one end of the spectrum. But how is that relevant back to sport? Because sport is always you know, based off time, but it's ground contact time, whether it's track and field and you look at swimming and diving and the rest of the sprinting sports is everything referred back to that. You know, rarely do you have the opportunity in sport to generate 
the maximum amount of force in the maximum amount of time. So it's really about how fast you're able to uh, express all that. So we have, you know, kind of a rubric that we'll discuss a little bit here in a bit. Um, what we're trying to follow for some of those metrics as we move forward. And, you know, I think the last part would be, you know, how are we doing from a neuromuscular fatigue? So our state of readiness. You know, this is where it gets a little bit blurry for us, and we're trying to phase this in appropriately. So this is maybe something we're not as concerned in the immediate um, because we're trying to do a better job of understanding, you know, the the basis of what we need from a training aspect. But you know, through the dual force plates, a lot of people are now looking at uh, flight time versus contraction time, time to peak power, time to peak force, eccentric duration, uh, total duration. You know. Gather Cole has been doing a little bit more research on that, and it seems to be a better indicator, again, of the jump strategy. You know, ultimately, an athlete can reach a maximum height, and if you're just recording jump, for example, um, you know, that can be whether they're spending more time on the ground or they're generating more force. So, again, this just allows a little bit more of an in-depth analysis uh, as far as the acute fatigue that you're seeing. And, again, we believe this in the future will do a really good job in lining with some of the other performance monitoring systems that we have in play here. But that, I guess, is our five layers of, you know, how we see we can really implement force plates into the collegiate setting. Yes. Now, that is a ton for people to bring kind of <laughs> in and swallow there. But yeah. I think that the next big question is, when you guys are doing all this, and mm -hmm. let's say it's, you know, 38-year-old Jay DeMeo who walks into the weight room at DePaul as, you know, a freshman. Yeah. Um. How does this go down? How do you guys yeah. break this down? What are you looking at? And then what do you look at that drives the training forward? Yeah. So we'll discuss more from our sports performance end, and then we'll expand it upon, you know, sports medicine and the physical therapy end. So as we discussed, you know, there's a few kinetics that we're really going to look forward. And we'll say in your initial stage, we'll put you through a series of tests, and we'll just discuss the counter movement, the squat jump. We'll do unilateral, uh, both right and left, because there usually is some difference. Though we have the dual force plates, it's good to get an indicator of just the right versus left versus it being in a bilateral. Um, and then we would possibly either look at the bilateral depth drop or we look at a unilateral. Um, and you know you can put those in, as we discussed, into reactive strength index or from those you can use eccentric utilization, but something along those lines, just to give us a really good profile. You know, if we're really looking probably at the beginning, just the counter movement jump, you know, look at the early late phase, the takeoff and the landing phase of that. See some of the asymmetries that are being produced through that. You know, no athlete is symmetrical and not necessarily is being symmetrical 100% correct, but is there shifts? We're using a metric right now about 10% during either the landing phase or maybe the takeoff phase. And we're using that as our gauge of, okay, is this maybe a flag or a higher risk of injury? Um, you know, during the performance of their takeoff, some key intervals we're looking at right now is time to peak rate force development, concentric impulse, uh, concentric peak force is another one, eccentric rate of force development. You know, we view these are things that we can continue to monitor through your first four 12-week cycles. Um, you know, training should have a positive adaptation to those. You know, I think in an asymmetry standpoint during the takeoff, you know, again, the concentric peak force, uh, concentric rate force development are other two good ones. The landing aspect, as you're a 38 freshman, you know, we're looking at some of the peak landing forces, you know, in comparison to your relative strength scores. So maybe you're receiving such high loads when you land, but you're weak as a kitten. Again, if we can look at these two metrics in comparison, well, we know we need to further enhance your strength capabilities as well as looking at your landing, because this might, again, put you at a higher risk of injury. 
you know, from that, we're also looking at the asymmetry side. So are you receiving more force in one leg versus the other? You know, these are just some early things that we know we can continue to monitor that we think we can make a practical application to. Because ultimately, we don't want to, at this early phase of what we're implementing, chew off too much than we can handle. You know, we want to start with anywhere between four to six, you know, kinetics, whether it's during the takeoff or the landing phase that we know we have a really good understanding. You know, some of these things can shoot out up to 200 metrics, but then you get so lost in the data and we don't really know, can we truly understand everything? So we want to start off small and continue to expand. Um, but, you know, it gives us a really good indication of your jump symmetry and your strategy as you move through it. You know, we would reevaluate again, whether it's a weekly, every four weeks or 12 weeks, make sure we're doing a really good progression. And as we said, the rehabilitation aspect then becomes important as well. You know, they're able to then identify, okay, maybe the time to stabilization, if you were to receive maybe an ankle injury, we at least have these baselines. We know we need to work. Here are four or five exercises that we think is going to put you in a better position to work on your landing mechanics. You know, and I think that's something that can't be overlooked is this data has only become practical in the way that you apply it through the sequencing and coaching. So making sure you put people in better postures, make sure you truly teach them how to utilize the stress sorting cycle. And, you know, at the end of it, you'll have a pretty robust profile on your athlete. And again, as you're in your early stage of year one, just imagine after two, three and four years through a training that you're going to have a better identifier of that athlete or for someone like you in your situation where you may only have an athlete for a year on the men's basketball side because they decide to go professional, you really know as soon as they walk in the door, okay, we have a really good understanding of their jump strategy. We have a better identifier as we've discussed through their counter movement and the stretch sorting cycle phases and areas that we really need to look. And then we have check marks to make sure, you know, are we having a positive transfer? So we discussed some of those key milliseconds as you look for in the breakdown of the time intervals. Absolutely fantastic. So as we look back then at this, because you guys have been doing this, it's still sort of newer. This isn't Correct. like something that's been set in stone for a while, but this is something that we've toyed around with and we've looked at. And you know, I know a lot of other people, especially because these the the force plates you're referring to are, are pretty fairly priced. Um, what are some things that you could tell people? Because this is something a lot of people could do. This isn't like we're going to get GPS and have to spend $100,000. Right. What are some of the, the learning curves that you had? What are some advice that you could give people that, that are listening to this and are like, wow, this sounds like something I really could do to help my kids? Yeah. So I was, as I said, we're probably in the late second phase uh, when we transition to our third phase when we start summer. And our initial was those first two months when we got the Pasco Force Plates, it was really understanding and learning what the kinetics were. What were we trying to identify and how were they intertwined and what were the relationships with those? We did a lot of trial and error just on our staff and that was a really important time for us then was to connect to others and that's why I thanked everyone who helped us you know, with our decisions and helped us understand this process but those are key reference people for us that we'll continue to reach out to and hopefully continue to expand upon. But don't get so overwhelmed with as soon as you unwrap it you know, we have to start implementing it right away. This is a learning curve for sure. So in that initial two months, it was just us getting familiar with the Pasco force plates. And then we started to understand that if we wanted to roll this out in a bigger picture, you know, for example, in our situation, 200 plus athletes, we need to put a really good strategy together is how is this going to be utilized from the physical therapy end 
the sports medicine end, the sports performance, and then the short to long term. As I discussed, you know, some of our short term plans would be its practical application and influence on training, the long term being established baseline norms, profiles of athletes, you know, inclusion to the health screening. So we really try to put together a pretty intense outline and then again continue to our outreach. So we talk, talked more with you know, Dr. Dan Cohan and the work that he had done with Forsex and the software. And that was just an option for us. There's plenty of softwares out there. It's just finding what's gonna be best for your environment. You know, what is gonna be the most user-friendly to you and amongst your staff? Because ultimately we want not just the strength coaches to be running the tests and analyzing, we want our sports medicine to help us out because rather than a staff of three, now you're looking at a staff of nine and that's gonna help in the data collection process, which takes a, a bit of time. It's gonna help in the analyzation and then ultimately, you know, how can you implement it? As we move forward, I think, into our third phase of you know, what we're trying to do in the summer, that's where we're really going to start to now look at, okay, how is this going to influence training? And what we'd ultimately like to have is every one to four weeks, we're going to sit down as a staff. We'll use a couple of case studies. We may discuss you know, athlete A, B, and C, and see, okay, put it together. What are we looking at? Let's look at some of these key connects that we've discussed. How has this changed over time? And what are some ways that we can sequence and do a better job from a programming standpoint? So that when August comes, we at least have established, you know, how are we going to run the test? What are going to be our external cues as we coach this? What is going to be the standardized warm-up, the standardized language to communicate so it's unbiased and we're not putting our own influence into the, the testing process? So we know from the screening we do a good job. We start collecting the data. And then again, as a staff, we're going to work and hope to help each other out is, okay, now how are we going to influence what we're working with? And again, we're not looking to roll this out and you know this big jan you know party it's like okay let's do this step by step you know crawl walk run right let's take a full year to really identify what we're looking at how we're implementing it start on the small stages and continue to expand you know ultimately you want to have high buy-in to student athletes and then the last part we haven't discussed was you know how are we going to feed this information to coaches to have them have better understanding of what are we applying amongst our different disciplines and you know our different departments yeah and that last part can really be the trickiest yeah i 100 percent agree it's you know what is a coach's report going to look like what maybe you just identify with three key connects that you want to give to the coach as far as routine check-ins you know maybe it's once a week or it's every four weeks but there has to be communication tied to that piece of paper it can't just be something that they set on the desk and you hope that they look at it but they really don't have an understanding of what they're identifying so taking time out to explain like look this is a trend that we're continuing to see from this individual or amongst the entire team. And, you know, it can be a really good conversation to start with, hey, you know, I think we need to get athlete A, B, and C a little bit more in-season training. You know, we continue to see this. And you explain to them why these three kinetics have the influence into sport and what training parameters you could do to help and make sure that they're still in optimal position to play basketball, but yet not leaning towards, okay, are they a higher-risk individual? And I think it's a really good conversation to start with sports medicine, but you can't just throw all these data points at them and not understand, well, are they going to be overwhelmed by it? So how can this tie into some other things that you're already having discussions with? You know, I think we've discussed three metrics that we really want to use along with our sleep report that we do uh, as a weekly return to our coaches. And then we're using monotony strain and acute chronic loads. And just kind of watching those, but it's un information that they already understand. We don't want to then say, hey, here's 12 other things that we want you to look at. You know, coaches already have enough on their plate. So we just want to make sure we're doing a better job of communicating that information. And as we said, maybe year two and year three, 
we expand upon it a little bit further, but right now let's just take it, you know, we're, we'll consider we're in the walk state. You know, we've crawled for, you know, these past six months, we're going to walk into our first year. And then once we really have the ball rolling, then we can expand, whether it's, you know, looking at a little bit more of the kinetics or expand our testing parameters and then, you know, the implementation end. Yeah. Or even more so like having just a better understanding of what, because I think that we all think we know what's going to affect what, but it's pretty interesting how somehow things don't do what we think they're supposed to do. Yeah, and people don't adapt the way that you think they're going to. You know, we put together a really good training cycle or, you know, we think we have a really good sequence for the next 12 weeks and everything looks great on paper or on Excel, but then maybe we're unable to communicate that or the athlete isn't getting it, so we have to look back and say, okay, maybe we have to regress some of these things. And you have to understand that certain times of year you're expecting to have dips in certain kinetics. So, for example, if you're like in a max strength phase, you know, you'd hope to see a rise in peak force and you most likely are going to result in a lower rate of force development because your time is in such an influence. You're really focusing on some of the, the slower developments, but you understand that you don't freak out and then you progress to a faster, you get more to gain speed and you hope that now, okay, at some of those earlier kinetics that you're receiving, you know, not only faster forces, but you're not spending more time on the ground or, you know, at like, for example, we'll use that 150 millisecond mark. That's a metric that every four weeks you're okay. Hopefully they're putting more force in the ground. And if not, you know, is it something that is posturally affected during their acceleration and you're teaching a sprint mechanic or from the landing or from the jumping aspect? So there's a bunch of things like you discussed that you're like, why is that happening? And this will hopefully just give us better information to ultimately continue to reevaluate ourselves. You know, how can we quantify what we're doing rather than just max strength, but, you know, can we look at some of the strategies being produced and ultimately, is there a transfer to some of those other things that we're doing in sport? No doubt about it. And it's also always better to have, you know, a bigger library of what worked and what didn't for athlete X, Y, and Z, just because, again, I mean, they might be different, but they're still basketball players. Right. And that's exactly right. You know, you want to make sure you're just providing optimal stimulus at the correct times. And like you said, can we use some of these things to identify when you get a freshman at the beginning of summer, we know these first eight weeks we've collected a norm and we're able to establish kind of what is that individual's strategies, where are they in the different aspects of the counter movement. Uh, again, as we talked early, late, the takeoff and the landing, but can we really establish some of these things earlier on before basketball really picks up when they come back to school and all of the other aspects that is, you know, life. Because again, they're going to have these additional stressors. So hopefully this information makes us better coaches, not only in what we're writing, but then how we're explaining to our kids and then, you know, how are we coaching our athletes and communicating that is the biggest thing. But you're, you're exactly right. We're able to hopefully do a better job identifying within the individual, within the groups, and in comparison you know, how can we progress this athlete for the, that individual, not how can we progress the entire team? Yeah, and then I think that, you know, kind of as a, a closing spot, a thing that would be neat to talk about is a little bit about outliers. You know, like we've talked in the past about, you know, we had a kid here who's was here three years, transfer kid, is like top seven in like four statistical categories. And if we were to say, these are the normative values that we would want for a basketball player. Mm -hmm. You would be so far below all of those. It would be repulsive. Yeah. But 
the dude gets buckets. So like, <laughs> like how do you handle a cat who's just skilled in the yeah. sports sense, um, but not skilled in what we would look at in the performance sense? Right, and I think you have those outliers as you know we're discussing about this individual. Maybe you continue to look and see, like, man, he's really lacking max strength. But we're talking about a six-nine athlete, who max strength can be, you know, a continued issue to progress. So you look at some of these other things, and are there other aspects of the jump strategy that you can enhance, or for that individual, can you do a better job of tailoring the tailoring the program? Because ultimately, like you said, the skill is going to be what keeps them on the court. But that also being said, is they have to be available to produce that skill. So is there a better job that we can do an understanding of, okay, these sequences of exercises or these training blocks is to hopefully ensure that whether an injury happens or if it does not, we're putting an athlete in a better position to succeed and hopefully spend more time on the court. You know, again, maximal strength has its limitations, has some of the transfer. So are there things that we can do to continue to work some of the strengths that he has in balance with dosing in, okay, make sure he works on mechanics A, B, and C, make sure we're integrating exercises a b and c and then the stimulus is okay we really want to focus on this concentration you know and so that is body is getting the back end of okay we're putting you in a better position to be on the court and then we're enhancing a couple of these things to move forward and that's where we've discussed with the kinetic aspect in learning better from the profiling positions and then from the rehabilitation processes we're doing a better job of identifying that individual and again, you know, basketball is getting tougher with the shortened seasons. And, you know, it seems like you have them for one year and then guys are leaving. So you really have to optimize the training window that you have. And I think this just does a better job of us being more cons uh, consistent and concise with what we're putting in there uh, as far as the training programs and the different aspects of, again, the weights, but also the sprinting and also uh, the different plyometric series. No doubt about it. And Nick, before we get out of here, I know you're a guy who's still hunting for more information, willing to share, wants to keep things going. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, we're listed on our website or different contacts. Uh, you know, DPU Strength is our Twitter handle. Really what we're trying to set up for this summer, you know, I've discussed some of the other individuals we've talked with, both in the strength conditioning realm and the sports science. But, you know, what we're looking now is to expand and do uh, Skype sessions in the summer, you know, do a better job of continuing our education and learning from others. So we're trying to set, you know, a lecture series in summer, maybe once a month, we do something like this. We talk shop, um, you know, we present different ideas and ultimately we're all trying to learn and do a better job. You know, as I continue to say, you know, we're very early in our phases, you know, if people are utilizing this, you know, it'd be great to reach out to them, to talk to them more. Again, I think this is something that will continue to trend in our field and we want to do a really good job of understanding and making this a more practical thing. Again, we're very open. Anyone swings through Chicago, it's a big central hub. Stop on in. Um, you know, we're just trying to get better each day. No doubt about it. Well, listen, man, this is absolutely killer. Like, this thing's stacked. Like, people are going to have to listen to this one a couple times to catch everything <laughs> up because this is awesome, man. I, I can't thank you enough for being so candid with everything too, bro. This is uh, fantastic. No, I appreciate it. Like I said, if people have had really good success, please reach out to us. Or if there's others that believe, hey, you know, I've talked to so-and-so and he's doing a really good job, help us out. You know, like I said, it's great talking to, you know, Cohan and Matt Jordan and Martina. Like these guys are four or five plus years ahead of me and what they're implementing with this end and probably even longer than that. So we're just trying to learn from others and continue to do a better job. 
Well, yeah, man. Appreciate it. And we will be in touch really soon, brother. Yeah, sounds good. We'll be out of Central Virginia, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, man. We definitely will catch up before July. <laughs> sounds awesome, good. Man. We'll have a good one, man. You too. Thank you. Thanks. And a huge thank you to DePaul Blue Demons Assistant Director of Sport Performance, Nick Higgins, for being so open, honest, and candid with his sharing. Guys, just so much awesome stuff. I mean, this talk is just, it's stocked. You know, it's stocked with great information, how they're building the program, things they're seeing. Open, honest, candid sharing. I can't thank Nick enough. Absolutely killer stuff. Don't forget, you guys have questions, thoughts, comments. Make sure you, A, post them below, share the talk, and B, you hit Nick up at DPU Strength on Twitter. That's at DPU Strength uh, on Twitter. You know, guys, he's, as you can see from the talk, he's not holding anything back. So if you guys have any questions, any ideas, if you're using the tech, hit him up, man. Super dude, super open to sharing, and, and is just trying to do what's best for his kids. Uh, the only other thing we ask, guys, is if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, please do at www.cvasps.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast or YouTube, hit that button. Hit that like button, guys, if you... Uh, if you did enjoy it, and if you have any questions or comments, please put them below. We're just trying to drive discussion and get the best information out there to coaches as possible. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the talk. Uh, we will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.